Chapter Sixteen of Neighbours by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fortune was kind to Miss Malvina Bennett all during the spring and well on into the early summer, or if not Fortuna, that sly goddess of a pagan antiquity who rudely elbows our Christian providence at every turn, then that superior overruling intelligence easily recognizable in every age. Mrs. Hobbs was sincerely grateful for the timely help which had saved her from complete humiliation. The robes, which came from her establishment with praiseworthy promptness, were not only startling in their fidelity to Paris modes, as depicted in American fashion plates, but they wore well. So Madame Louise, plus Miss Malvina Bennett, prospered exceedingly. "'I expect I'm a regular fool,' said Miss Malvina, a playin' into your hand the way I be. But live and let live is my enduring motto, and I'm a-goin' to show you how to cut a dress way so it won't skew gee off to one side, no matter how the Lord made women folks. As I says to Ma, no wonder most of em is one-sided, I says, seen as the Lord was so short o' goods. The Bible says he had to squeeze the first of em out o' one rib, and a man's rib at that. So far as I can make out, there wasn't too much good material in menfolk to begin with, <laughs> with most of them being a pretty poor lot from the patriarchs down. Now, you want to lay your pattern after you drafted it the way I showed you, onto your goods, just so. You got to keep in mind, dress goods is like folks. You got to manage em. Do you get the idea? Nezipar, as Mr. Desai says. <laughs> He's French. He lives next door to us, and I'm a-picking up the language to beat the cars. At <laughs> the same time, I'm a-practicing him and Madeline so they can talk right smart. It's real enjoyable. <laughs> Mrs. Hobbs gazed enviously at her able assistant as Miss Malvina's swift shears shaped a dress waist. My, <laughs> she breathed, what an opportunity the reason i had to leave boston was because a woman moved in right across the street from where i started up my shop she could put a french name to everything and first i knew all my customers left me for her that's how i came here miss malvina's mouth was temporarily obstructed with pins but her look spoke volumes i guess that wasn't the only reason she surmised darkly, as she stuck the last pin into the heart-shaped cushion which was never absent from her waist. "'I suppose that's where you got the bright idea of calling yourself Madame Louise.' "'Oh, yes, twas,' confessed Mrs. Hobbs. "'And it did take. You can't deny that.' Miss Malvina straightened her little figure and gazed almost pityingly at Mrs. Hobbs. Well, anyway, she said, you've got a real nice boy. I guess he's going to get right in with the young folks. I didn't know as you'd ever met my son, said Mrs. Hobbs. She held her head stiffly erect, and red spots appeared on her high cheekbones. Miss Bennett cackled happily. Oh, thank God I've been able to afford a new pair of shoes for Ma and me too, she said. Oh, he's real handsome. I seen that without half looking. 
i'll bet george trimmer's doing a first-rate shoe business these days last year i remember orrin blake was in the shoe department orrin's humbly as a rail fence with red hair and freckles and a nose a-skiting off to one side of his countenance naturally all the girls was buying their shoes in boston they hadn't one of em any use for orrin besides he was married to emmeline banks but now oh you ought to take notice of the girls that's awful hard to fit keep the shoe clerk a humpin mrs hobbs appeared agitated by diverse emotions i fancy my son understands his business she commented with dignity oh you can just bet he does agreed miss malvina and so does the girls there now you'll find this here waist'll set straight and level do you s'pose you can shape them arm sizes oh don't for pity's sake cut em out too much at the back and nor in the front neither i just about lost my reason trying to keep them robes from pulling out premature mrs hobbs eyed the result of miss malvina's labours coldly if i wasn't so drove with customers she began and then stopped short to inquire fretfully what do you mean by saying by insinuating i can tell you my hoddy never had any use for girls his mind sat on other things miss malvina nodded her mouth once more full of pins yes i know she mumbled he wanted to go to war and you wouldn't let him hmm. you told me about it hmm. i don't blame you none i'd have kept him out of it too mm -hmm. but you can't keep him out of matrimony so easy matrimony miss malvina removed the pins with a swiftness born of long practice that's what i said miss hobbs and you'll find i'm dead right she said firmly bright eyes is more dangerous than bullets when it comes to keeping a handsome feller all to yourself but there i guess i'd better keep my mouth shut or you'll be cutting em off the land knows where i gotta pick up my traps now and be moseying along home where's that green and purple for miss Inshore and them hooks and eyes oh yes well au revoir mrs hobbs followed the partner of her fortunes there was no longer any attempt at denying their business relationships to the door her vague eyes full of trouble i wish you'd tell me what you mean she said i'll be worrying night and day in account of what you said twould be pretty near as bad as having him go to war to be married young i mean miss malvina sniffed disdainfully you ought to be ashamed of yourself she said if i had a boy well you ain't interrupted mrs hobbs and you never will have anyway i'd want him to be happy let alone how i was feeling a single woman can't rightly say what she'd do if she was a parent stated mrs hobbs solemnly being a parent is well it makes everything different as i used to tell my husband but if there was any special girl miss malvina blinked thoughtfully at mrs henshaw's green and purple robe which she was investing with newspaper preparatory to taking it home i wouldn't worry none if i was you mrs hobbs she said kindly 
young folks will be young folks and we can't expect oh, there is a particular girl quavered mrs hobbs clasping her bony hands oh there now i got you all stirred up over nothing lamented miss malvina all i got to say is gals is just like sweet clover blows in the meadows they look pretty and they smell sweet and the young fellers can't no more help being drawed to em than honey-bees maybe your boy is different from the rest of the men-folks on account of the war and then again maybe he ain't miss malvina patted her parcel which she had pinned securely and anyway mrs Arps, you ought to be glad and thankful to have him get acquainted with some nice young folks maybe it'll take his mind off them nasty muddy trenches they say there's rats running round there like kittens in a kitchen oh ain't it awful mrs hobbs faded eyes brightened oh that's so she breathed it might take his mind off do you know she leaned forward and whispered in miss malvina's ear i've been so afraid he'd leave me mm. go back and enlist my heart's been some better since i came to america i guess he thought i was shamming but when you think of millions of boys like my hoddy being sent out well i, I don't think about it any more than i can help i couldn't stand it if i did me neither sympathized miss malvina i quit reading war news quite a spell ago thinks i it don't do them no good and it keeps me a worritin i used to lay awake nights first off thinking about all them men and boys a layin out there on the ground some of em hollerin for water and nobody oh don't begged mrs hobbs oh, well i quit that i had to i got so nervous i couldn't run a gather straight but ma every time she gets hold of a paper she sets down and reads and if she comes across anything particularly dreadful she'll say oh just listen to this malviny but i know what's coming oh in a minute ma i says i got to run up this ere seam lucky my sewing machine ain't one of the quiet running sort i'll bet i thank the lord more than fifty times for keeping me from swapping it off an agent six months ago it's the handiest way to break off a conversation now don't you worry none mrs Arps, and i'll fetch this ere green and purple back to-morrow you might go ahead with them there sleeves you ought to be able to do that oh but say whatever you do don't you try and lay them bias folds i'd rather not be responsible for em afterwards adieu greatly to her surprise miss malvina found mrs deaconess buckthorn enthroned in the patent rocker in the haircloth parlour for a minute her heart beat high with hope perhaps her rash words of a few months past had been forgotten perhaps mrs buckthorn wanted a dressmaid perhaps but that lady's first words dispelled the nascent idea 
i come to you malvina because you are a nominal christian she said and because we are striving to enlist even the poorest and humblest in our work against a common foe oh, i want to know murmured the little dressmaker she's got a petition malviny explained ma busily i signed with red ink and she wants you too i don't know as you've learned the terrible misfortune that threatens our peaceful community pursued mrs buckthorn they're a purposin to build right here in innisfield a factory for the manufacture of bombs miss malvina started back as if one of the munitions of war in question had exploded in the middle of her parlour rug for land's sake she said weakly whereabouts murderous munitions of a sinful conflict ought not to be constructed within sound of a christian church bell intoned mrs buckthorn majestically there can be no two opinions as to that you will sign here malvina these signatures are written in blood so you will kindly use this fountain pen miss malvina gazed curiously at the document which mrs buckthorn handed her at the top of the page was written in very black ink we the undersigned members of the innisfield presbyterian church do hereby earnestly protest against the manufacture and sale of munitions of war in our midst as contemplated by the merks munition company of boston mass as a church of christ we are stubbornly opposed to war and its desolations and as citizens of a peaceful and law-abiding community we strenuously object being made party to the wholesale slaughter of human beings now going on across the seas every name will be of value if only to increase the volume of protest said mrs buckthorn it ain't going to be right in the village is it said miss malvina i heard a spell back that somebody had bought the old woollen mills over by the swamp and was fixing up the buildings for something most of these names seem to be women folk she added can you get no men folks interested mrs buckthorn shook her head the men in this here town she said acidly are dead and buried in trespasses and sins all of them say they're against war but when it comes to writing down their names in red ink under this here petition one and all of em has an excuse elder trimmer thinks it'll be a grand opportunity for the church so many new working men and their families come into town deacon scrimger says he owns stock in the old mill and he can't conscientiously use the money he got for it if he signs the petition an obed salter and undertaker beals and henry pratt and george enshaw every one of em says business reasons'll prevent em from signing miss malvina seized the pen i guess i could sidestep that away myself she said i bet there'll be a lot of new folks'll want dresses made like that but if my name wrote down here in red ink it'd prevent one nice young feller from having his eyes put out by one of them nasty explodin' things i'd write it if it was to take the bread out of my mouth the rest of my life 
Mrs. Buckthorn screwed the cap on the fountain pen, her mouth puckering into a tight knot during the process. She loosened it to remark, "'That sentiment does you credit, Malvina. "'And that reminds me, um, <clears throat> how much are you charging "'for making up a plain gingham dress nowadays?' Miss Malvina named a price slightly in excess of her usual rates. She could afford to smile as she observed Mrs. Buckthorn's protestant eyebrows. Oh, "'Prices for most everything in the sewing line has risen,' she said tranquilly. "'I suppose it's the war.' "'I had thought of bringing over a piece of goods to be made up,' said Mrs. Buckthorn. "'But not at that price, Malvina. Oh, no, not with fuel and provisions at present rates. I cannot afford it.' She glanced searchingly about the little room as she spoke, her eyes pausing at last upon the shining toes of Ma Bennett's new shoes, which the old lady, with the eager pride of a child, had thrust into prominent view. "'I hope and pray, Melvina, you're not running into debt,' she added sourly. "'It's a temptation of the evil one, Melvina, to wish to appear better off than we are.' and only too common in this age of luxury and love of vulgar display. "'I suppose,' joined in Miss Malvina briskly, "'that there's folks a-plenty in this here town "'that had seen me and Ma carted off to the poorhouse "'without batting an eye. "'Me, that's worked summer and winter, "'staying plackets and arm sizes and like that, "'faithful for folk that don't appreciate it "'no more than the air they breathe. "'But I guess other dressmakers are quite as conscientious, Malvina.' interrupted Mrs. Buckthorn as she replaced the document in her black silk bag and drew its strings tight. "'I have had no fault to find with Madame Louise.' It was by a praiseworthy exercise of the will that Miss Malvina suppressed a carnal desire to crow with laughter. "'Well,' she said dryly, "'I guess maybe I ought to thank you, Miss Buckthorn, for taking an interest. So I'll tell you I ain't running in a debt. I got work a-plenty, even if the bomb factory don't open up in the fall, which I bet it does, seeing as there's folks in Canada interested. I heard em talking it over in Salter's Grocery when I was there last night by a pound of their best print butter and some of their eighty-cent mixed tea and a bottle of anchovy sauce. Mrs. Buckthorn appeared suddenly transfixed, her hand on the doorknob. "'What did I understand you to say, Malvina?' she asked in a shocked voice. "'I was saying folks from Canada own most of the stock in that there bomb factory out by the swamps. An old bed salter, when he was doing up my pound of coffee, says to me, "'But anchovy sauce, Malvina! Surely you were not purchasing entrovy why not i'd like to know inquired the little dressmaker all them tasty things like papriki and stuffed olives and patty de foie grass is real appetizing ain't they ma what you say marvinny shrilled the old lady i was just telling miss buckthorn we was getting so we really like french cooking ma makes a nice change from codfish and like that 
did you ever eat any pot of fruit miss buckthorn or a pantalette de mutton oh you didn't oh for land's sake well you ought to try em ma's picked up wonderful since i fear you have set your feet in the broad and dangerous paths of sinful lust malvina said mrs buckthorn her chaste bosom rising and falling tumultuously i had not intended to speak of it but it is commonly reported that you are oh, i blush to speak of it receiving particular attentions from a foreign married man permitting him to kiss your hand at your age too well i'd like to know how that got out murmured miss malvina honestly abashed she glanced at ma whose ancient head was vibrating slightly as if with suppressed excitement i suppose ma must a let out something or other to somebody she said resignedly well all i got to say is kissin hands and like that don't mean nothin particular in french no more than sayin mon dieu which is downright swearin in english as i keep tellin madeline constant as for her par bein married well, i suppose he must a been once upon a time seein as he's got a girl most growed up but damport as madeline says when she means anyhow she don't care a cotton hat a body can't help folks bein foreign and i dunno but what i like em that away on the whole i shall pray for you malvina stated mrs buckthorn vindictively as she passed out of the door with the air of one shaking off polluted dust from the soles of flat substantial shoes at the same hour i offer up petitions for the heathen <clears throat> oh mercy beaucoup suitably responded miss malvina au revoir and she waved a dingy little hand of dismissal after mrs buckthorn's retreating majesty let em talk she said to herself as she laid out mrs henshaw's green and purple costume i guess it twon't hurt none no me neither but she blushed almost like a girl as she recalled mrs buckthorn's sentimental accusation oh my i wished i wasn't so old and humbly she mused would be real enjoyable to be receiving attention even if the man were foreign then because the weather was warm she removed her second best hair front and hung it on a nail already bristling with tissue paper patterns where it dangled like a dejected little scalp lock before an indian teepee chapter sixteen